I'm going to ask you to take a moment to consider three questions. You don't need to respond publicly. You can just sort of think about it. Do you remember the details of the homily that you heard last Sunday at whatever Mass you went to? Second, do you remember what the priest preached on in the homily, let's say, of Easter of last year? And probably, even more importantly, do any of you remember a homily that completely and utterly changed your life, that redirected your existence? Now, most people, if you think about these three questions, will probably answer in the negative. No, very hard time remembering details of homilies or homilies that changed your life. Although after last Mass, several people did remember my Pleasure Island homily from last year, but it didn't say that it changed their lives. Now, I'm not bringing this up to try to insinuate that somehow you are bad Catholics. The truth is, most people, even the most aware, simply don't remember these things. And probably because homilies, or sermons, are best at inspiring someone for maybe a few days or for a week, or to instruct them about some matter of the faith. Rarely, at least from my own experience, do homilies have long, perduring effects? Rarely do they lead to deep conversions of the mind, heart, and life. Now, I bring that up because today we hear Jesus' Sermon on the Plain. A lot of people are familiar with the Sermon on the Mount in the Gospel of Matthew, but in the Gospel of Luke, he preaches something very similar, but on a flat surface, on a plane. It's one of Christ's, the examples of Christ preaching to a crowd. We heard about it last week when Jesus was on the boat preaching to the crowd on the shore. Jesus did this quite often. And so as I was reflecting and preparing for the homily, I thought of that question. Did the people who heard Jesus remember the details of what he had to say? They reflect on it for years to come. Were there mass conversions that people's lives completely changed because they were part of the crowd in which Jesus was speaking to? I'm sure the answer is, just like for everyone here, that yes, to a certain degree, some people did have conversions. And of course, some remembered enough to be able to write the words down and put them in the gospel. But I don't really see any convincing evidence that there were mass conversions or people remember what Jesus had to say. Yes, crowds followed him, but it seems to imply, at least the scripture does, they followed him because of his miracles, because of the healing, because they fed him. And so I would imagine the same for today was the same for, to a great degree for Jesus. So, keeping this in mind... What does bring about conversion? If it's not going to be the homily or the servant, what is the thing that changes minds, that changes hearts, that makes people missionary disciples ready to go the distance in following Jesus? 
This word conversion comes from the two Latin words con, which means usually with, and vertere, which means to turn. And so a conversion is to turn around from one thing to another. Well, there's another word in the English language that actually shares the same exact etymology. The second part tends to be, I think, in the past rather than the present. And that word is conversation. Conversion and conversation in the English language and their Latin etymology are connected. That a sermon may be good. A homily is fantastic for instructing, inspiring. But if you want to have a conversion, you've got to have and engage in a conversation. One-on-one, -on -one, maybe in a small group, face-to-face, -face, where people share minds and hearts, where there's a real human dialogue. We're not talking about making comments on Twitter or getting into arguments on some person's comment section on their Facebook page, talking about real human conversation. It is conversation that leads to real and genuine conversion. Look at it in the lives of Jesus, the people who really followed the Lord, the ones who were the saints, were the ones who had conversations with Jesus. The apostles, Mary Magdalene, Martha and Mary, Lazarus, these individuals were the ones who followed the Lord, who were with him all the time. Not just hearing a word because they were a member of the crowd, but they were the ones who knew Jesus, lived with him, and had those conversations. And as a result, experienced real and lasting conversion. And so it's the same in my own experience and possibly the same in yours. In my now almost 20 years as a priest, I've seen very few lasting conversions, lives change from any homily that I've ever given. But in my existence, in my priesthood, working with people one-on-one, -on -one, in conversations or in small groups where I or others are able to speak, to accompany, to follow, to become friends with, that's where the lasting conversions happen. And see it on campus. The people who really become those missionary disciples are the ones who are able to engage in conversation. That's why I think the discipleship model of focus can be so effective. And now in my years here, I've seen a number of students go off and graduate. The ones who are still practicing their faith, who are still following Jesus, are the ones who know or had deep conversations where they came to really have conversions and encounter Jesus. But of course, you'd say the most important conversation is that conversation in prayer. Not just two minutes a day, but really committing to 15, 20 minutes every day of conversing with the Lord. Through that conversation, true conversions happen. And so in conclusion, I would like to sort of maybe make this exhortation of why we need to go and, and have conversations, encounter people face to face, and bring about more conversions. Uh, but I sort of shoot myself in the foot because I said 
homilies are not the places where people have conversions. And a lot of the times, you may listen to what I have to say today, but by tomorrow or the next day, it is forgotten. In fact, or instead, I want to leave us with a little reflection. I see a lot of the times, or at least really, particularly over the course of the past six, five, six weeks, encountering people who know others or who themselves have left the Catholic Church to go join one of those non-denominational churches. And I've seen these people, or heard about these people, leave the Catholic Church, which they, let's say, weren't getting a lot out of, and go and have real, genuine conversions, or passionate, or on fire for the faith, or giving generously, or doing mission trips, or getting involved in Bible studies. And so it's so easy for Catholics to say, oh, they're just doing that because they like the entertainment, or they like the fact that they can have a little coffee shop in their church and bring their coffee to a little worship service. And it's easy for us to dismiss these people and dismiss these churches. But the truth is, is I don't believe that's the case. A lot of the times, indeed, maybe the entertainment value draws them, but what keeps them there, what leads to their conversion is the genuine conversations they have. People welcoming them, encouraging them to get involved, inviting them to small groups, becoming friends with them. It's those conversations, those connections that lead them to the deeper conversions. But the truth is these conversations can only happen in a community, in community with other people. That's why they stay. That's why the conversions happen, is because they feel the part that part of a community, of a bigger whole where people are interested in them, where they talk to them, where they can get plugged in. And the reality is, Catholics tend to be terrible at this. Now, maybe at wisdom we're a little bit better, but in general, most parishes, after Mass, you think that someone let off a sort of a chemical bomb in the church, everyone's ready to get out. Nobody wants to talk. And when they're here, they don't want to say hello or welcome anyone. And granted, I'm an introvert. I'm not going to never make anybody go and welcome people in the pews with them. I don't like that. It's uncomfortable. I understand it. But the fact of the matter is, if we don't even take in our own way a willingness to greet others and to form a community as a parish and a church, people are going to leave. And I see it too, and I'm sure some of you have heard me say it before. People who go out and they act like fools and get drunk and sleep around and do all these kind of stuff, the first question I'm going to ask you is, who are you doing it with? You weren't doing it by yourself. You were doing it with a bunch of your pagan friends. You weren't doing it with a community where people actually practice their faith and believe because the faith is, is removed. If you want to be serious, you've got to be part of a community. You can't be an outlier who just comes and warms the pew and takes off. That is not living the faith. We are called to be part of the church. Jesus does not save us as individuals or call us just to have a personal relationship with him. That's important, but we have to do it within the context of the body of Christ, in relationship, not in isolation. I really honestly believe if Catholics would start living that, start living community and with the sacraments, 
then these other churches would be empty. And we'd have the big, beautiful churches instead of them. We'd have the lively churches instead of the other ones. But it's going to take us realizing the connection between these three words. Community leads to conversation, leads to conversion. That's the structure the Lord has given to us. That's the Lord the structure hopes us to follow as we listen to his word, allow it to sink into our mind and heart, and have that deep conversion that leads even more to spreading the gospel and the upbuilding of the church. Amen.